If you take your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter number 1, verse number 18, let us look and see what the Gospel according to Matthew says. Matthew, chapter 1, and verse number 18. Let's listen to the words of St. Matthew. Verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was to be found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and she shall call his name, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Verse number 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him as his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Just for a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, Christmas through the eyes of Joseph. Christmas through the eyes of Joseph. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to open your word up. We pray that everything that is said and everything that's done, Lord, would bring you the glory. I pray that your word would go forth in power, Lord, that would prick our hearts today, that it's just not a, another sermon we hear weekly, but it is, it's not just information, but it becomes transformative in our heart and in our soul, and we won't fail to praise you for it. And everyone shouted a great big amen. One of the ways to engage the Bible, when you read the Bible in devotional time, and I encourage you that if you don't read the Word of God, that you need to read it in your devotional time. If you don't have a devotional life, you will have an emotional life. So if the only time you hear the Bible is when you come to church, then you're a sorry Christian. And I hear an amen. It should be active in your life. You should be reading it. You should be partaking of what the Scripture, engaging the Bible. All right? And so one of the ways you can engage the Bible is what we call character identification. Have you ever heard that before? Character identification is this. When you, um, when you read the Bible and you find certain characters, such as Mary, Joseph, Judas, Peter, Simon, Andrew, etc., you identify with that character, and then you ask yourself a series of questions. You know, how would I feel if I was Peter, and I was walking on the water, and Jesus is coming towards me? How, how would I feel? What would my emotions be? Well, how would you feel if you was Abram and God called you to get up and leave your country and go to a country that you know not of? Or how would you feel if you were Sarah, an old woman, and the Lord appears to you and says to you that you are to conceive and bear a son? How would you feel? How would you feel if you was at the Passover meal and Jesus is dipping his bread into the juice or into the cup, or, or breaking the bread, excuse me, giving it to his disciples? and uh, said at the table that one of you would betray me. What would you feel? What, what would be your emotions? How would you process that information? And that is what we call character identification. That's one of the ways that you can devotionally study the Bible, is put yourself in their shoes and ask those, those series of questions. Step yourself in the Scriptures and describe how you would feel if you was that character. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want you to put yourself in Joseph's shoes this morning. And I want you to ask yourself, how would you feel if you was Joseph, Mary's husband? You see, Joseph is the forgotten man in the Christmas story. Usually when Christmas comes around, we hear stories about Jesus. Obviously, we hear stories about his earthly mother. We hear stories about the shepherds and the angels. We hear stories about Simon and Anna in the temple. 
But sometimes we forget that Joseph played an important part in this historical account of Jesus' birth. And I want you this morning just to take a few moments and use your imagination. And I want you to put yourself in Joseph's shoes. And I want you to ask yourself the question, how would I feel if I was Joseph? What emotions would I be wrestling with if I was Joseph? You see, Joseph is an important part of the story, but I'm convinced that Joseph is probably not a necessary character. He's important, but he's probably not necessary because God can work through single moms. Uh, Can I hear an amen? I say God can work through single moms. God doesn't necessarily need Joseph to be involved, but in this historical account, Joseph is very much involved. He wasn't necessarily needed, but God chose to need him because he wants to paint a picture to you and I of what we can learn from Joseph. God waits until they are engaged. Mary and Joseph gets engaged, and then the Bible says she is found to be pregnant. The Bible says in verse 19 and 20 that Joseph is a just man. He is a good man. The question today is, is what can we learn from Joseph this morning? And I'm glad you're here. I'm going to give you three points some things that you can learn from Joseph's life as we process how Joseph would feel. Number one, Joseph, number one, was disciplined even when he was disappointed. Say that with me this morning. He was disciplined even when he was disappointed. Say it again. He was disciplined even when he was disappointed. You see, the Bible says, look at this just for a few moments. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, I want you to pay attention to the words of the writer Matthew. Verse number 18 of Matthew 1, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was to be found with child of the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to see here is that Mary and Joseph was engaged. That was the first process of the marriage process in the Jewish world. And when a man was engaged to his wife, that was almost as if they were already married. That was a legal document that that person belonged to that man. Joseph was engaged to Mary. But you also know, if you are a student of the Bible, you do know that the birth of Jesus, the historical account of Jesus, his birth is also mentioned in the book of Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, you've got to piece the story together. Because in Luke chapter 2, it tells the same story, but it has something different in the story. And the story tells us in Luke chapter number 1, verse 56. Luke 1, verse 56, it tells us that and Mary remained at her house for three months and returned to her house. It's speaking of her cousin Elizabeth. Uh, Mary had a cousin by the name of Elizabeth. And, and if you piece the story together, this is what happened. Mary and Joseph got engaged. The angel came and said, or, uh, or excuse me, uh, the, Mar- uh, the angel came to uh, Mary and said, you're going to have a child. They got engaged. And then right after she was engaged, according to Luke chapter 1, verse 56, Mary takes a trip to her cousin Elizabeth's house for three months. And the Bible says, and when she came back, she was found to be with child. Now, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. Now, get this. The angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a son. You're to name him Jesus. They're engaged. Mary and Joseph are engaged. And then Mary immediately goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house for three months. She comes back and she is found to be with child. Nowhere in the narrative do you find Mary telling Joseph, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to me and said, I'm going to have his baby. That's nowhere to be found. Mary didn't tell Joseph anything about her experience. So if you think about it, it sounds kind of odd, isn't it? The angel says to Mary, you're going to have a baby. They get engaged. Then she goes and takes a trip to her cousin Elizabeth's house. She returns after three months and she's pregnant. Now any man in their right mind would scratch their head and say, what have you been doing for three months at your cousin's house? Can somebody just help the preacher out and say, I agree with you, pastor. If you are taking a visit to your cousin's house for three months and you come back to your engaged husband and he finds out you are, what would you do? 
Pastor David said he would shoot whoever that person is. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what would you do. Let's do some character identification here. How would you feel if you was Joseph? Here is the woman that you love, the woman that you're betrothed to, the woman that you're engaged to. You don't know anything about the angel. You just know that your, your betrothed wife decided she was going to take a visit to her cousin's house. She comes back and there's a little bump on her stomach. What would you say? I mean, all hell would break loose in your home. Can somebody say amen? I mean, Joseph is hurt. Joseph is angry. Joseph feels disrespected. Because in the Jewish world, a woman was a man's property. So he had the right, according to the law, to stone her privately, or excuse me, publicly. The Bible says in Matthew 1 verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. He had every right to take her to the elders in front of the city and stone her publicly because she disrespected him and she came home pregnant from her cousin Elizabeth's house. Let me say something to you. He is a just man. The Bible says he wanted to do it secretly. He didn't want to make a public example of her. He wanted to do it secretly. Let me say this, ladies and gentlemen. There are some things that you need to keep private and personal. Let me say that again. There are some things that you need to keep private and personal. Even when you are angry, you're going to have to learn how to control yourself. Even when you are angry, you've got to learn how to control your mouth and your behavior because you can get so angry that you can be justified in how you feel. You don't need to let somebody make you so angry that you say things and do things that later you regret. Somebody once said, how you treat me when you are angry is the true sign of love. How you treat somebody when you are angry is the true sign of love. If we did some character identification here and put ourselves in Joseph's shoes, all of us would say that Joseph probably was angry. Joseph was probably hurt. Joseph probably felt disrespected. And Joseph had every right to make a public example of her, but yet the Bible tells us he put her away privately, or he, did, he wanted to deal with it privately. He didn't allow his anger to override his love. And you too, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to be careful when you are angry. Because when you are angry, you say things and do things that later you regret. You see, when you become angry and you go after somebody because you're angry, and you want to embarrass them, that may reveal what that person's done to you, but in the end, it reveals how immature you really are. When you go after somebody in anger to embarrass them, you may reveal what they've done. But in the end, it really reveals how immature you really are. And we are living in a generation of immature people who get angry and put things on Facebook and get angry and put things here and there. Get angry and get on the phone and call to prayer request. We want to embarrass people. We want to expose people's sins. But we forget about what the Apostle said. The Apostle says that love does not keep an account of wrong done to it. And when you're angry, you've got to learn how to control yourself. That writer in Proverbs, Solomon, said in Proverbs 14, 29, he says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. You see, you have great understanding if you're slow to anger. Solomon went on to say in Proverbs 19 and verse 20, he says, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. In other words, you've got to stop and think about what you're going to say. You've got to stop and think about how you're going to react. Because once things are said and once things are done, you can never take it back. He says, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. Think about what you're going to do. And his glory is to overlook a transgression. Ladies and gentlemen, look at that. His glory is to overlook a transgression. We live in a generation where we want to get even with somebody. We want people to pay for their sins. We want to expose people of their sins. We want to let everybody know what they've done to us. But the writer tells us that you've got to have discretion. 
And sometimes you've got to overlook people's sins. Sometimes you've got to overlook people's faults. You've got to overlook what people say and do. And you've got to give people grace. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 26, St. Paul was very clear that you should be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down with your anger. With your anger. In other words, don't stay angry. Resolve things very quickly. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 19, James was also clear about this. He says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. You see, put yourself in Joseph's shoes this morning. Joseph, I'm sure, was angry. Joseph was hurt. Joseph was disrespected. Joseph felt as though I can't trust you, Mary. I trusted that you could go and visit your family and you come back pregnant. But Joseph understood that even though I'm angry, I got to control what I say, got to control what I do. When you're angry, we say and do things we later usually regret. You got to do right even when you feel like you've been done wrong. Newsflash you're a Christian. Christians do right even when they feel like they've been done wrong. Christians go the extra mile. Christians go the extra mile. Number one, he was disciplined in his disappointment. Number two, he takes time to think. Somebody say this with me. He takes time to think. Somebody say it again. Somebody say it again. He takes what? Look at what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Listen to the words of St. Matthew. Matthew 1, verse 20. And while he thought about these things, everybody just shout that sentence out as loud as you can say it on the count of three. One, two, three. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived is of the Holy Ghost. So not only was he disciplined in his disappointment, not only did he restrain his anger, he learned what to say and not to say. But number two, he took time to think. Because the Bible says, while he thought about these things. Ladies and gentlemen, somebody once said, you can press save and not send it. We live in a digital world. Go ahead and write it out. Save it, but don't send it. Don't say everything you're going to think you need to say. Don't act the way you feel like you need to act. You better take time to think. Take a time to pause. You see, your first action is usually wrong when you're angry. Your first thought when you're angry is usually wrong. So that is why you need to take time to think. The Bible says in verse number 20, while he thought about these things, You've got to think about some things. I'm, your mind is a terrible thing to waste. Some people don't even think about what they're going to say and do. Ladies and gentlemen, the prison, prisons are filled with people who have never taken time to think. They just flew off the handle and got angry and did something that now they are spending years behind bars because they didn't think about it. And I'm asking you to think about your life. I'm asking you to think about what you say and do. He took time to think about it. Verse number 20, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. Verse 20, But while he thought to himself, you've got to think about it. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5, To trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. You see, when you trust your emotions over your intellect, you're going to get in trouble. The worst time to trust yourself is when you get angry. The worst time to trust yourself is when you get angry. When you stop and think about it, and you stop to pray about it, guess what happens? Verse number 20. He thought about these things. Verse number 20. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared. Isn't it amazing that when you think about it, and you pray about it, the Lord will show you another way. Because as he was thinking about it, and as he was praying about it, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Because when you begin to think about it, 
and you begin to pray about it, the Lord will always reveal another way to you. And that's when the angel showed up. And and this is so exciting to me because when I read it, isn't it interesting that Mary probably couldn't persuade Joseph? I mean, how do you persuade Joseph? Listen, bro. I was just out taking care of the vineyard and suddenly an angel showed up and said, I'm going to conceive and have God's child. I'm going to have the God of the universe. I mean, how does that work? Because if somebody came to you and said they're pregnant with the Son of God, you would think they're on... How, how do you... Yeah, you're like, you're cray-cray. What's something wrong with you? What, what, do, what do you do? Mary, listen, Mary, no matter what she would have said, listen to pastor, could have never persuaded Joseph. Because Joseph is thinking... Listen, sister, I love you, but you went to your cousin's house for three months and you come back with a baby bump. She's like, well, no, no, hold, hold, hold on here. Actually, what happened, Joseph, was before I went to my cousin's house, an angel showed up and told me I was going to have the Son of God. That don't make sense. So no matter what Mary would have said to Joseph, it wouldn't have made sense. And that is why God intervened and came, or an angel came to Joseph and said to him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the thing that she is carrying is of God. You see, listen to me, when you can't defend it, and you can't explain it, God will talk to your Josephs. When you can't explain it, when you can't defend it, God will talk to your Joseph. You may have talked to your blue in the face. You may have done everything you've known to do. And you have talked to that person and talked to that person and tried to defend the truth. Well, listen, when you can't defend it and you can't explain it, God will always talk to your Josephs for you. He'll talk to them for you. Number one, he was disciplined. He was disciplined in his disappointment. Number two, he took time to think. He thought about it. He thought about it. And number three, he had the sacrifice. He had the strength to sacrifice. He had the strength to sacrifice. So number one, he was disciplined in his disappointment. Number two, he took time to think. And number three, he had the strength to sacrifice. Now get this, the Bible says, I want you to look at it very clearly, the Bible says that, um, the Bible says, and while he thought about these things, an angel came to him in a dream and said, you're going to conceive, and it's of the Holy Spirit, you're going to bring forth a son, and the Bible says 22, this was done because of the prophet Isaiah spoke about it. Verse number 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife. And he did look at verse 25, And did not know her until she brought forth the firstborn son. Verse 25, I want you to shout it out as loud as you can on the count of three. One, two, three, and... Come on, church, all together, and... So he had the strength to sacrifice. Now we're all adults here. His legal right was to consummate the marriage. Once the marriage was over, he had every legal right to consummate the marriage. But the scripture says that he did not know her. He did not consummate the marriage until after Jesus was born. Now think about it. This man demonstrates to us sacrifice. He learned how to sacrifice his own personal pleasure so it did not interfere with the plan of God. He had every right to enjoy his legal right. He had every right to consummate the marriage. He had every right to do it. But you know what he did, Pastor David? He had the strength to sacrifice and say, you know what? Mary is not for my personal pleasure. I am going to wait till the baby is born because I don't want to interfere with what God is trying to do right here. And you've got to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. Just because you have the legal right to do something and just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Well, I have the right. 
Well, you may have the right, but that doesn't make it right that you should do it. Don't allow your presence to interfere in what God is trying to do in somebody's life. Joseph, you've got to be careful that you don't interfere in what God is trying to do in Mary's life by bringing forth the Christ child. He waited till after the baby was born until the marriage was consummated and sometimes you've got to wait on things. Sometimes you can't allow your presence to interfere with what God is trying to do in somebody's life. There are some things that God is working on. Listen, listen, listen. Look at Pastor Josh. There are some things that God is working on that you can't touch right now. Can I say that again? There are some things that God is working on that you are not allowed to touch right now. Mary belongs to you. It's your legal right. You can sleep with her. You can consummate the marriage. But you need to have enough strength to sacrifice and wait on God so that God can bring about His plan and purpose to humanity. Don't ever, listen to pastor, don't you ever interfere in what God is trying to do in somebody's life. Because you desire them and want them. Maybe it's a season of not to know them. Maybe it's a season not to know them. You see, how does this apply to my life? Because in some essence, listen to pastor, you're like Mary. You're bringing Christ into the world. And during this Christmas season, we're not just reading another story, an ancient story that's been handed to us by the apostles. But this is a story that is transformative if you put yourself into it. We are bringing Christ to the world. And do not allow somebody else to interfere in allowing you to bring Christ to the world. Following God is not a wish list. It's bigger than yourself. The plan of God is bigger than yourself. What can we learn from Joseph today? We learn a lot of things from Joseph today. We learn that number one, you've got to be disciplined in your disappointment. Number one, you've got to be disciplined in your disappointment. That no matter how bad you are hurt, that no matter how bad you feel disappointed, you've got to be disciplined enough not to say the things that you would regret later. You've got to control your anger. You've got to control your disappointment. You've got to control your behavior. You've got to walk in the Spirit and make the right decision. You cannot allow your emotions to override your intellect. Number two, you've got to think about some things. You've got to take time to think. The Bible says in Matthew 1.20 that Joseph took time to think. He thought about this. And then the angel spoke. It's amazing how God will speak to you when you sit down and you think about some things. Take a pause in your life. Press save and not send. When you're angry, your first thoughts are usually wrong. Take time to think about it. God has a way of speaking to your Joseph's when you've exhausted your resources. Mary could never have defended herself. There is no way that Mary could have explained that an angel told her that she was going to have the Son of God. How do you explain that to your engaged husband? But God spoke to Joseph. And when you can't defend it, and when you can't explain it, God knows how to speak to your Joseph's. Number three, he had the strength to sacrifice it was his legal right to consummate the marriage. It was something for him to enjoy. But he waited. He sacrificed. He waited on God. And Joseph refused to interfere with God's plan. And you, my brothers and sisters, got to be careful. You don't interfere with God's plan and what God wants to do in somebody's life. We live in a day and age where we criticize and judge people. They don't look the par. They have this. They have that. They don't wear their hair right. They have tattoos. You know, we go down the list. But you've got to be careful that you don't speak words that would interfere in what God is trying to do in somebody's life. God looks on the heart. He doesn't look on the outside. You've got to be careful. 
that you don't open your mouth and you interfere in what God is trying to do. Maybe it's a season for you not to be involved. It's a season for you to keep quiet. It's a season for you to say, I'm going to not know. It's a season I don't have to have all the information. I don't need to know. Joseph did not know her. See, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest story ever known to man is not necessarily the Easter story. It's the Christmas story. There is no Easter without Christmas. There is no salvation without Christmas. There is no hope without Christmas. There is no redemption without Christmas. Christ came and gave Himself for humanity. Christmas. C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S. Mass. Christ. Mass. Mass. Thanksgiving. Christ. Christmas. The thanksgiving of Christ. A thousand times in history, a baby has become a king. But only one in history did a king become a baby. The greatest story ever known to man is the Christmas story. I don't know about you, but the Bible says, and Joseph was a just man. The word means upright man. The word means whole man. The man of integrity. A man of wholeness. A just man. And I pray today that we would follow his example. That we would be disciplined in our disappointments. We would take time to think. That we learn how to sacrifice. I love this. Santa lives at the North Pole, but Jesus lives everywhere. Santa rides in a sleigh, but Jesus rides on the winds and walks on the water. Santa comes once a year, but Jesus is the present help in the time of trouble. Santa comes down your chimney, but Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks. Santa fills your stockings with goodies, but Jesus supplies all your needs. You have to wait in line to see old Santa Claus, but Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. Santa lets you sit on his lap, but Jesus holds your hand. Santa has a belly full of jelly, but Jesus has a heart full of love. Santa has little helpers who make new toys, but Jesus makes new lives. Santa puts new gifts under your tree, but Jesus became our gift on a tree to save the world. Amen. It is the Christmas story, the greatest story ever known to man. In closing... A few years ago, in the Harvard Journal, a Harvard professor stood up during Christmas season in his class and told his class this, I don't know why Christians make such a big deal about Christmas. A baby has never threatened anyone. See, what he failed to realize is that he is no longer a baby. But He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He came as a baby. He lived as a man. He died as a criminal. But one day, you and I, he, we will see Him as King of kings, Lord of lords, high and lifted up. And all the world will see and mourn that there is only but one and true and living God, that this baby, although it didn't look like He threatened anyone, but actually He has threatened the kingdoms of this world world. He is Lord. He is Prince of Peace. He is Counselor. He is Mighty God. He is Wonderful. And if you could testify to how great this baby is, would you wave your head and say Amen this morning? Amen. I said Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet? Amen. Let's bow our hearts and heads. Let's please not be on the cell phone, please.
Let's be, dis- let's be respectful as the preacher's preaching. If you're not looking at the Bible and reading the Bible, let's, let's be respectful. Thank you, Father, for your word today. Thank you for your grace today. Thank you for your love. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit is here dealing with our hearts. Hallelujah. Now I want to ask you, if you're here today, you say, Pastor, Pastor, I have walked away from the Lord. I want to come back to the Lord. Very, everyone, just stay where you're at. This is a serious question. You say, I've walked away from the Lord. I want to come back to the Lord. If that is you, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. I want to come back to the Lord. Is there any? I want to come back to the Lord. Is there any? I've walked away from the Lord, and I feel a tug at my heart to make things right. Maybe you're here and say, Pastor, I struggle with anger. I've let it control my life, and I need, I need you to agree with me in prayer Now, nobody's here to embarrass you. You're just admitting that, hey, I need help with this. If you're here, raise your hand on the count of three. Say, I I need help. I need to be disciplined in that area. Raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Would you quickly? Quickly, raise your hand. All right. Anybody else? All right. Praise God. If you're here, you say, Pastor, nobody will embarrass you. You say, Pastor, I need prayer. It's controlling my life. I'm struggling with it. And I need you to pray with me. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian or you don't love God. It just means it's a struggle and we just want to pray with you. Just get out of your seat right now. Say, I want you to pray with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Just get out of your seat. Quickly come. Amen. Just get out of your seat. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise for a moment as they come? Say, I just I want prayer. I want prayer today. Somebody else say, I want prayer. Anybody else say, I need prayer. Amen. 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 With the elders and care team, pastoral staff staying behind them today. Amen. Worship team, would you come? Amen. Amen. Let's just lift our hands right for a moment. I just feel the presence of the Lord here. Hold on. I Can we just wait on the Lord? I just felt a check of the Spirit. feel like the Spirit, some, somebody here is wrestling over something that's happened. It could be 20 years ago. I, I don't know what it is, but a long time ago. And you're wrestling with it even today. It has plagued your heart and your mind. And I want you to come forward so the Spirit can touch you today. If that's you, say, it's plagued me for years. Today I need a touch from the Lord. Quickly, as the Spirit is here. Quickly, as the Spirit is here. Say, it's me. Hallelujah. Lift your hands for a moment, just for a moment. Hallelujah. Just wait on the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just feel like the Spirit. The Spirit is saying nothing dramatic today, just your simple walk of obedience to acknowledge it. The Holy Spirit says He's going to free you. There's going to be a difference as of today. And as the days progress, there's going to be a difference in your spirit and your heart. He's removing it. Stretch your hands forth to my sister. By the name of Jesus the Lord. By the power of the Holy Spirit. We rebuke every force of the enemy. Cast it down. Rebuke it. Speak freedom. Therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. By the Spirit of God, I command you to be released from it. (laughs) Oh, somebody, praise the Lord. 
How did you feel that, sister? My goodness. Be free in your mind, in your heart, in your soul. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Takes off the, the garment of heaviness and gives us a spirit of, of joy. I speak, decree, declare the word of God over my sister by your authority, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I say this? I feel like the Spirit is saying that some of us need to get serious about life. You need to get serious about your devotional life. Some of us is like, I feel in the Spirit, you're like a car. You get acceleration, you're going real well, and then you stop, and then you go some more, and you stop, and you go more. That's what I feel the Spirit is saying. What's hindering you? What's stopping? Why is there so much stopping and going in your life? You feel like you're doing real well. You feel like things are well, and then it stops. And the Holy Spirit is arresting some of us and saying, that's not what He's planned. Yes, there's some stops along the way. There's some detours. There's some struggles. But there comes a time in your life where growth should be progressive. That you should be able to grow through some things. The struggles that you're going through, the hardship, you should be able to grow through it. Instead of letting it discourage you so much that you give up and you can't praise God and it's a struggle to go to church and you can't give and you don't want to sacrifice, you don't want to serve. Is, is that really God's plan? The Holy Spirit is saying, we've got to learn to grow through some things. You've got to learn how to sacrifice through the hard things. You've got to learn how to be devoted through the struggle. You've got to learn how praise is not about if you like the music or not. Praise is just something we do as believers. There's this in the Spirit. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit saying, stop it. He wants us to grow up. And this is not for everyone but this is for somebody. He, need, he needs you to awaken out of your slumber, out of your sleepiness, and know that this is a growth journey, not a feel-good journey. This is not, I'm going to feel good, and the church is here to pamper me, make me feel good. It's a growth journey. I'm growing. And grow, growth hurts. It hurts. Who wants to grow? I mean, it hurts. Nobody wants to grow. But the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to grow through it. Now, this is not for everybody. It's not for everybody today. It's just for somebody. And I'm not trying to be corrective. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just sharing my heart with you as a pastor of what I feel like the Holy Spirit is showing me today is that some of us start real well. And like the Apostle Paul said, you, you did run real, real well, but what hindered you? Why is this stopping going all the time? Why, why do we get victory on Sunday and the next Sunday it's like we've lost it? Why is there, where is the stability and the strength and the, the consistency? Where's that at? Amen. Do you hear my heart this morning? How many hears my heart this morning? So the Spirit is saying to you, Cheryl, you can't, you can't do it yourself, you see. <laughs> Supernatural strength. Pastor's just sharing my heart with you. That's all I'm doing. Not trying to 
make you feel bad. I'm just sharing what the Spirit is saying. You've got to grow. Instead of getting angry and questioning God and giving up and quitting church and not doing, why don't we just choose to grow through it? Why don't we choose to be stable and strong? We wouldn't just choose that our attitude is our altitude. That our praise is not based on our condition, but it's based on our position. That we see things from a different perspective. That this is a season where whatever God wants to do in and through me, what's happening in me is greater than what happened to me. Because I value what happens in me, not what happened to me. I've, I've decided I'm getting better, not bitter. I've decided I'm going to go through. He didn't teach me how to swim to let me drown. I didn't come this far to forsake the cross now. There's a crown ahead of me. I've choose today that I'm going to rise above it and grow through it. I, yea, though I walk through the valley, there's a shadow in my valley. There's light in my valley. If that's you today, get out of your seat. Say, Pastor, that resonated with me right now. I, 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 my perspective has changed. If that's you, just right now, as the Spirit is calling, get out of your seat. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm changing the way I'm thinking. I'm changing. I'm growing through it. The Lord is doing something in my life. Would you get out of your seat and say, it's me today? Hallelujah. It's me. I, I, I want to grow through it. I want to grow through it. Amen. I don't understand why the altars are not filled. Every one of us should be saying, Pastor, I need to grow through it. Could there be some receptivity this morning? Could, could there be? Could there just be an act of obedience today that says, I'm going to grow through it. Can we do it? Lift your hands and magnify Him. Come on, lift your voice and glorify Him. Come on, lift your voice and glorify Him. Come on, come on, let's grow through it. Come on, worship Him. Worship Him, worship Him, worship Him. Glorify your name. Incredible strength. Incredible strength. Incredible strength. In Jesus' name. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we receive it today. Come on, lift your hands. I am not alone. I am not alone. I want this church to go worshiping God right now. I want you to declare that I am not alone. That He's with me. Hallelujah. He's with you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. I am not alone. 
we agree with you. Your word today that for strength. In Jesus' name. We surrender it to you, Lord. Surrender it. Surrender it. Whatever that means to surrender, Lord, we surrender it. Do the work in my brother's life, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Be close. Come on, Hallelujah. Yeah. This is my shepherd. Oh, he goes before me. Hallelujah. Oh, tender and kind me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. By your power and by your spirit. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is touching you, my brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He's with you, brother. He's with you. All right? God's with you. Hallelujah. Oh, not Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Hallelujah. I am not alone. Oh, yes. Yes, he's my comfort. Yes. Oh, no reason guide me. Dozens and valleys. Hallelujah. Oh, no Restores my come on church let's sing it with me come on with uplifted hands hallelujah mercy and goodness yes oh, it gives me assurance hallelujah yes uh, I'll see his glory face to face. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. I am not alone. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, he's my comfort. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your word that was spoken today. Thank you for the hearts and lives that you've touched. We receive your word. Help us to be a just man or woman. Help us to walk uprightly before your integrity. Help us to grow in your grace. Remove the obstacles and hindrances, Lord. We receive your word today. If you receive the word of God that was preached and the prophetic word, would you shout amen? Amen. The Lord is with us. For it is right always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father. We join in with the angels of heaven. Proclaim that you are the Lamb of God which was slain before the foundation of the world. Your people have gathered in your name today. 
to acknowledge the one and true and only sacrifice given for humanity. For the John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. We come to your table today. We remember your blood, your sacrifice. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord gave thanks. He took bread, blessed it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take this, all of you, and eat it, for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in memory of me. And when the supper was over, our Lord took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in memory of me. For the Apostle Paul said years later, as often as you eat of this, you drink of this, you show the Lord's death until He comes. So we ask the Holy Spirit to bless and sanctify these elements, the bread and the juice as it symbolizes the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we proclaim since the time of the Apostles that Christ has died, that Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts as we receive them. We're reminded of the great new covenant that you made with us by your body, by your blood. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we ask these things. And the church said, Amen. The communion servers are going to come and stand, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to dismiss you, but I want you to come and receive communion, and you are welcome to pray and worship around the front. And after you're done receiving communion, you're welcome to go, or you're welcome to pray. And then tonight at uh, 6 o'clock, we have church, and I'll be preaching. Please make sure you're here. Did you enjoy the presence of the Lord this morning? I want to, uh, Mike, I want to honor you before we receive communion. Uh, it's your 60th birthday, and he's an elder here at the church. And before we go, I want to tell you happy birthday. I love you. Happy birthday, Brother Mike. Would you give a great big God bless you to Brother Mike? Thank you. Appreciate your service and your love, both of you, you and Gary. So make sure you come out tonight, and I want you to know that I'm praying for you. This week I was praying for you, and praying blessings over your life, and I know that God has good things for you and for this church. Amen? Amen. Don't forget, Wednesday night, I'll be preaching Wednesday. We have regular service here at 6.30. So come on Wednesday night. We'll have some worship and word. Have a great time, all right? So communion service, would you come? All right, Pastor Sean, would you lead us? Would you come to worship the Lord today? Hallelujah. Mercy and goodness. Mercy and goodness. Mercy and goodness. 
about to shout.